looks like I got myself a new hat. Uh-oh, that hat's bad luck, man. Hey, look at this. I just found the one Sky Davis trading card missing from my collection. All right! Submit it for the approval of the Midnight Society. Oh, joy! Let's rock! It makes me wanna fart! Dear Journal, it's me, Doug. Do you have it? Baby's gotta do what a baby's gotta do. On your mark, get set. Oh, here it goes! Welcome to Splat Attack, where we're taking it back to the slime-filled past. I'm your Gactastic co-host, Brett. And I am your slime-tastic co-host, Alex. And happy St. Patrick's Day, Brett. Yeah, happy St. Patrick's Day. We're just rolling right on through the holidays, aren't we? Just one right after the other. Valentine's Day to St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. So what are we doing special for St. Patrick's Day? Well, I actually hear there's this pretty cool-looking uh, St. Patrick's Day parade happening in Bluffington, so let's go check that out. And I think uh, we have a tour guide who's going to tell us how to get there. Uh, tour guide, would you like to reveal yourself? <laughs> who knows all about Bluffington? Yeah, who better? Hello, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one and only Jim Jenkins, creator of Doug, of course. He knows Bluffington like the back of his hand. <laughs> Thank you for joining I us tonight. I know, like a front, but it's been a while, so yeah. uh, we'll see how this goes. I am thrilled to be here. Awesome, uh, Alex and Brett. This is going to be fun. Uh, we are going to do an episode review of Doug's Lucky Hat, which we actually briefly mentioned in, all the way in our first episode, uh, Nicktoons' 30th anniversary, way back in August. Um, it's it's funny how things come around like that because yeah. we said from the get-go oh we really have to get to this episode because i mentioned like how iconic the music was from this episode and here we are still going <laughs> yeah. so, so to to give you uh jim a, a bit of feedback from where we're coming from as as co-hosts uh obviously splat attack is all about 90s nostalgic stuff and nickelodeon is a, a huge part of that for the two of us and our very first episode was talking about the 30th anniversary of the Nicktoons. And he and I both agree that Doug is absolutely one of our favorite, not just Nicktoons, but Nickelodeon shows and 90s nostalgic shows in general. Uh, he and I very, very much resonated with that show. And on that episode, as Brett said, the lucky hat was one that we had both mentioned as our favorite. So as our first episode review, it had to be this one. And we had to reach out to you and see if you'd be a part of it. So welcome. And it thank really you. means a lot to us that you're here. So thank you. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. I'm, I want to just insert this right now. I, Go ahead. I, I really have just met you two guys. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I love you guys. <laughs> and, 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 and there'll probably be all kinds of reasons by the time we're done. But here, here's why. Um, in all of the Nicktoons Dugs, the other the Nicktoon Dugs, and there's the Disney Dugs. Mm -hmm. yes. on, on, in each group, I have a favorite of those. Just an episode that just went bam. Um, uh, in the Nicktoons episodes, it's Doug's Lucky Hat. It's oh. my favorite favorite show, and there'll be. I hope we get into it. There'll be all kinds of reasons. Oh yeah, why and what we did with it, and and all that. But um, it is it is my favorite show. 
That's awesome. Oh, man, I love it. I love it so See, much. See, it was meant to be. <laughs> this is why the universe has conspired in our favor to bring us all together. <laughs> all right. Well, without further ado, we'll jump into the episode. Um, so I, I just want to give like a quick little mention that we picked this episode for St. Patrick's Day, uh, despite not having any obvious Irish or leprechaun imagery, uh, mainly because we wanted to go off the beaten path with this one. Um, we feel that, you know, luck is close enough relation to, uh, you know, th things that we usually associate with St. Patrick's Day. So why not? Give it a go. All right, so Lucky, Doug's Lucky Hat is season two, episode 13B of the series, and it was first aired on Nickelodeon on December 6, 1992. The episode was written by Alan Sil Silberberg and directed by Yvette Kaplan. It's also noteworthy that the music from this and most Doug episodes was done by the talented Dan Sawyer and Fred Newman. Episode synopsis. We open up to see a deep blue hat with a bright red brim dancing on the breeze while Celtic style flute music accompanies the visuals. Doug narrates a speech about things happening for a reason as the hat sells past various inhabitants of Bluffington, gracefully landing right in front of Doug, Skeeter, and Connie. Skeeter suggests Doug should try it on, but Doug hesitates, claiming, I don't look good in hats. My head is a funny shape. <laughs> With a little more encouragement from both friends, Doug tries it on, excited to find out that the cap fits perfectly. Not a moment sooner, Doug falls flat on his face after looking at himself wearing the hat in the reflection of a nearby car. Skeeter claims it might be a bad luck hat, but uh -oh. when Doug, <laughs> yeah, uh -oh. but when Doug picks himself off the ground, he reveals him finding the one missing Sky Davis baseball card from his collection. Sorry, basketball card, basketball card from his collection, proving that the hat is on Doug's side. Cut oh, to the cool man. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to the title of the episode: Doug's lucky hat. Da 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 <laughs> um i did notice that the opening music like the opening track of this particular episode is very memorable um as much as practically any beat song or even the theme song from the show we've heard from doug um how did the lucky hat melody come about because i'm really curious it began with i wanted this show to be different from any of the other doug shows if, if any of you you're on to me there's a rhythm to the doug episodes and it's um actually loaded with dialogue we were just it, it was our scripts for an 11 minute episode might be somewhere between 21 and 23 pages long because of all mm -hmm. the words oh, wow. i said we're not doing that this time we got to open this up it's got to breathe because of what we're going to do with it and so this script that alan did is about 15 pages long and that's what makes the music work you know because um it, because of the nature of the story, it had to be sort of magical and, and um, wistful and kind of moody. So a uh, couple of things. One, I had just been to a movie. This is an ancient movie, but you know, because of how long ago it was. But it's a movie called uh, A Year of Living Dangerously. And the two leads are um, Mel Gibson and Sigourney Weaver when they were very young and they're falling in love in, in Cambodia, I think. And there's a scene, I'm just going <laughs> to, um, they're falling in love and they, they're figuring that out and they're running through the rain and there's all these things that happen. And uh, Vangelis, the composer, wrote this piece of music for that that just knocked me out. 
I do it with Dan Sawyer, you know, uh, for Doug, uh, since I'm not a musician, is I, I would take any music I liked as reference. And this is back in the day of cassettes. <laughs> and I would put together compilation cassettes and, and, and send it to him. And then we'd play it together and talk about it. And I, I sent that piece, which was not easy to do because it's not on the uh, soundtrack. You, mm. I had to rent the movie, play it with a microphone up next to my TV. Oh, wow. Um, to record it. But I got it, you know, and I sent it to him. And he did a brilliant job of being inspired by that. But it's his own take on it. Yeah. But then there's the Irish flute. And I just, oh, that, that's what gave it heart. It just, you know, the, the one that I just described in the movie is more, it's a Vangelis. It's a lot of electronic. It's pretty beautiful. Mm -hmm. But this thing leading out with that flute made it just go. It, it's, it's a beautiful, uh, wondrous piece of music that's used. It's established at the front. But if you notice, it's used when all the magic happens. Mm. It does have a very whimsical quality to the melody. Like it drifts along with the breeze, with the, yes. with the cadence of it. It's very well fitting. Yeah. As, as does the story itself. The story mm -hmm. is slightly, paced slightly different. Mm -hmm. um, everything about this kind of slows down because mm -hmm. of the, the nature of what we're going to talk about. So. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a wonderful story on what's behind the music and what makes it that crucial component to the episode. I never really thought about it that way in terms of Doug having a specific formula, maybe just because I was more interested in, um, you know, just being immersed in the characters in the moment, but it does have a lot of, um, it does, it does have like a cinematic kind of feel to it. That's, that sets yeah. itself apart from the word. others. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, my, the way my brain works, is I I have a lot of pop culture, uh, especially movies and TV shows that just sticks in here, and and I relate everything to movies, and usually with Nickelodeon or, or kids shows, I would relate it to a movie, but this was an instance in which I saw the movie after I saw Doug, and when I saw the feather intro of Forrest Gump, I first thought of this scene. Good one. I bet if you put the Doug's Lucky Hat music, like cut it with, <laughs> with the it intro for it's going to be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Forrest Gump's lucky hat coming to a theater near you. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Yeah. I've yeah. always said life was like a box of beats. Either that or a box of Sky Davis baseball, uh, basketball games. <laughs> <laughs> I did again. <laughs> it's hard to say, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So we uh, fade, fade into Doug admiring his new hat and a hand mirror while Skeeter reads an issue of Beatman on his bed and Porkchop shoots rubber bands into his wastebasket. Despite earlier events, Doug denies the hat being lucky and attributes finding the card to being a mere coincidence. Suddenly, the radio announces that the 23rd caller of the contest will win an autographed CD of the Beats. Skeeter urges Doug to wear the hat while calling in to see if he can win with luck on his side, uh, despite Doug's hesitancy. Sure enough, Doug dials in at the perfect time, winning him the coveted Beats CD. 
In addition to Theta handing him a pair of toy novelty goggles right after Doug's lucky break, he now warms up to the idea that the cap can grant life-changing lucky circumstances. Crossfade to an imagination sequence where Doug sees himself as a rock and roll president giving a speech to his people with First Lady Patty Mayonnaise by his side. The crowd cheers with glee beneath a flag waving the symbol of the lucky hat proudly. I know, ripping guitar solo remind me of Eddie Van Halen in a way. <laughs> See, now that scene reminds me of Red Bull commercials. Oh, and really? Because he jumps in the air and freezes in the air for a moment. And after yep. watching the episode again, my first thought was, Red, Red Bull gives, gives you wings. wings. My fellow citizens, I wish to thank you all with this special guitar solo. Red Bull gives you wings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I remember those commercials. They had a similar animation style uh, mm-hmm. to Doug, like with the, the line work. In this, in the Doug series, not unlike my own personal childhood life, um, all roads led back to Patty. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's always how does it, how does whatever you're doing or not doing right, how does it reflect on ultimate that ultimate goal? And so, in th- that fantasy, which I think is really funny, because we he's they they've already gotten married, and I guess, and they're you know she's the first lady, like you said, and. Uh, and all that and she just thinks he's so cool with because of the guitar playing but mainly it's that hat oh my gosh yeah just very silly (laughs) very very silly lots of silliness and charisma and it's funny that you say that patty's like the center of his world because i actually took a sneak peek at some um disney duck episodes before this and i noticed in the episode doug's last birthday i think it's the very first one of uh disney's doug um you know, he's he's also wearing a similar hat that looks like the lucky hat there. But also when Patty mentions that she's like doing homeschool or she's not going to be at the new school full time. Suddenly, Doug has like a, a short imagination sequence where he's like his head is like shaped like the world. And then all of a sudden he screams and it blows up and it just goes to show how much of, you know, how much of a part of his life that she is that he built around her ever since he moved to Bluffington. Jim, I well, I guess this kind of goes without saying since you're wearing a Doug hat right now, but are you a hat person? And is there a special hat that you enjoy wearing? <laughs> right there. This is, on, <laughs> this is on my head every day. Um, I don't think I don't know that I do it because it's lucky. I do it. Well, I guess it is really. Doug's been very good to me, but um, I need to for the sun. I, you know, my mm. skin is. Uh, I'm Scottish, so it's like you know I'm. Yeah. You're going to turn beet red if you're not careful. Look at me. I, I went out I know, um, similar mountain biking yesterday and the day before, and I looked in the mirror I'm like, ah! you know? but I I always have to have a hat on. So I like this, and I'll tell you another reason is you just get into some really cool conversations. Because yeah. every now and again, people, somebody again about your age goes like the hat, and I go. And how come? You know, just trying to not presume, <laughs> but it, it amazing. We have a, we get into amazing conversations about the connection and why they they felt the way they did. It's it's been great. Totally, yeah. I mean, I I love when like shirts or hats are conversation pieces because it triggers something in yeah. the back of your memory that you can relate to, so that they yeah. seem much more approachable on the street. Yes, exactly. That's well said. That's that's right. Thank you. And before we started recording officially recording the episode you were talking about the special hat that uh you you had made you want to share about that again well thank you 
um, Alex, because um, I want to get this in. <laughs> We're this is a second season of Doug. Yep. And we are now. It was a co-production with a company out of France, which sounds very exotic and all just so wee wee. But it was it was hard, really hard and intense. And I we we had been in full court pressing it through the first season, right? So I but I announced to the studio, I am. Just my wife and I, we're not going to take our kids. They'll stay with the grandparents. Just my wife, Lisa and I are going to go away for, I think it was a week. Uh, and, you know, they're just like, what? You know, it was, <laughs> it was not pretty. But we went and we picked, I'm not sure why, but we picked, well, I know why we, we picked St. Lucia. That That is pretty much a no-brainer. It was just you know, beautiful. We wanted to scuba dive and all that. But the part I don't know why we did is we went to a um, Club Med. Now, back in the day, is there such a thing as Club Med anymore? Is it a thing? I'm not sure, but I remember hearing it a lot as like contest prizes on Nickelodeon game shows. Yeah. Okay. Because it, for a while, became a family thing, which is probably mm-hmm. when you heard that. Before that, it was really a place for couples, singles, mm-hmm. a place to get for hookups, you know. Oh. <laughs> in, in either case, they want you out of your room. There's no TV. There's no amenities in your room because they want you out. And and um, the uh, all the meals are done family style on big tables. Mm-hmm. The whole point of that is so you mingle. And so you're oh, always okay. going to run past people that you've seen the other day and, and this morning and all that. And I tell you that because there was a family there. It was a mom and, and two boys. The 14-year-old boy was obnoxious. He 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 could have auditioned for Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> <laughs> the, the missing uh, person and sitting on the couch yes, with them. <laughs> the inspiration. <clears throat> but the mom thought he was great because he, he had chops. He was strong, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh. But she had a younger son, uh, somewhere around Doug's age, and he was quieter and more of an observer and um, kind. <laughs> I guess I related to him, but this guy, whatever his name was, uh, is, uh, had the blue hat with the red brim. Ooh. And I know, I just, you just, uh, now I'm seeing him every day more than one time and you could see that he always had it on number one secondly that it was um beautifully worn in it was it had some you know a few rough holes but in a cool way and it like it made it look vintage or grunge <laughs> yes and, and it, it was um it looked really good on him and that was the beginning of this show was seeing him and writing it down i have to write it down but uh this idea that this hat would look like that, literally like that hat, and that it would be something that Doug would somehow be convinced that he needed to wear it always. You know, mm. that's that's the beginning of um of it. I don't know where I was headed with that, but that I'll just say that's because <laughs> I always love when you know people have some sort of story connected to something that's successful or memorable, and that's that's a perfect example of it. Like very serendipitous. Oh, this would be interesting, and. Here you go. Here's the product of it. Yeah. It was a good argument for taking vacations too. True. (laughs) Take more, you'll get more stories that way. (laughs) Uh, That didn't fly, but yeah. Yeah. I can understand. Yes, Club Med is still a thing. I just Googled it. It's still still a thing. thing. Okay. Well, 
Alec is, is our uh, go-to uh, search guy on the job whenever I'm keeping <laughs> the you. conversation yeah. going. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, crossfade back to reality where Patty approaches Doug and Skeeter at the lockers, asking the two to help her find her missing guinea pig, Hamlet. In a serendipitous happenstance, once they look around the outdoor lunch tables, the lucky hat lifts into the breeze yet again and into an open window of the school cafeteria gracefully landing on the bean salad container where Hamlet is chowing down on a vegetable snack. Patty thanks Doug for his good Samaritan deed and Doug's affection for his hat dramatically increases, hearts and all. <laughs> where did the name, I mean, is it just a, a pure obvious, just it's Shakespeare. Was that the reason why you chose the name Hamlet for the guinea pig? The, the reason the guinea pig is called Hamlet is because I had a guinea pig who I call Hamlet. No way. <laughs> and so, and and I think my older, old, I have three older sisters. The oldest one kept hamsters. Um, and they were all named things. And my oldest sister was kind of like Judy funny. But uh, <laughs> one of them was called Macbeth. And uh, who knows what, I don't remember. But they all had names that she was picking up through probably English lit or whatever mm -hmm. in school. But uh, I had a guinea pig uh, and I called it Hamlet. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. I know. <laughs> Did you bring him to school to, um, to show the effects of the ozone as well. Because <laughs> I know Patty said that. <laughs> yes, she did. I was like, hmm, how how do guinea pigs affect the ozone layer? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so much for my report on how guinea pigs help the ozone layer. The, uh, the cafeteria lady, was she an inspiration from the Flow TV show? Oh yeah, she's named Flo. Flo. She was what? named Flo. Wow, I see if it is the writers were having fun with that. <laughs> I will say uh, we we recorded I was the uh, I directed a lot of the uh, records, but we when I cast that show, it was an ensemble and that voice is also it's Doris Belwick, oh. who's the voice of Tippy Dink and um, Ms. Wingo and a bunch of other characters. Uh, God rest her soul. She's mm. passed on. But uh, she did a brilliant job of all these wonderful, sort of the older characters, the matronly characters. Oh yeah, they they fit their appearance quite well. Like it's got that like yeah. motherly educational kind of aspect to their tone of well, voice. Well, she's sort of over it, you know. She's just chanting and just yeah. Sounds very fake. Tater hate salad. I love that part. I I literally. Rolled around the couch laughing when I saw that. My hat! Hamlet! Ah, it's alive! Woo! I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but how did you go about shaping Doug and Patty's personalities as the series developed? Was it like solely based on that core element of like the relationship that you had with the a person in your life that Patty was based off of, or did you just add certain traits from different experiences in your life to like flesh them out as characters? Um, I like the way you just said that. Um, Thank you. <laughs> there, as, as I think I've already alluded to, there was, there is a real Patty and I did have a bad crush on her for a long time through uh, junior high up into high school. Um, 
but the the personality of uh, really all uh, Patty Mayonnaise is sort of a amalgam, a, a mixture of several people. And then you stir it, talk about the magic. You stir in the the girl that didn't exist. And that mm-hmm. is the one that can do that speech at the end. Yeah. That's what I want to tell you about when we get there. But uh, to have that much insight and to be that articulate about it or to go to Hunkerberger and say, I, Doug, we got to talk. And he thinks he's going to get asked out. And she yeah. goes, you know, what do you do? You know, that scene, nobody did that. It just, mm. it just didn't, it never happened that that directness and honesty. Wow. It mm-hmm. was just, it would have been lovely <laughs> to have found something like that. But yeah. You talk to anyone back then, they go, we, none of us knew what was going on. So, you know, that's the real reason why. But uh, Patty, to answer your question, it, it Develop from just sort of superficial 2D, my heart beats fast. Mm. A wonderful, um, wonderful friendship. Um, we 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 held out on any kissing or any anything that would turn it into something else. Sort of, mm-hmm. once you go over the puberty waterfall. You know, <laughs> we, That's a good way of putting it. Yes, yeah, with fireworks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You know, we pull back on the reins. He's got those uh, instincts coming, but it's really about figuring out some much bigger things about friendship. Well, definitely. Being able to talk. So, in a strange kind of way, I actually relate to that story of how you develop Patty because, just as a side tangent, I've been working on like a, a personal project for the past few years that I call Seeds of Sentiment. And I actually have a character that's based off of me that kind of has the style of Doug. He has like a uh, a faux hawk that's like three spikes nice. and he's got the dug eyes and stuff like that. And there's a character in it named Iris, um, who's actually an amalgamation of all the girls I loved, spoiler alert, um, that helps him like guide him through his little journey so that he can become like the full best version of himself, yeah. you know, by finding things along the way. So I'm just mentioning that because I find it uncanny, the par- parallels that you have and I have in terms of being yeah. creative types. Well, it make it's the things that make your heart beat, you know, just the, they, these are, I'll never forget those emotions, you know, because yeah, they're fo- all fresh and new, right? Right. Yeah. Follow your heart and you can't go wrong, even if you hit some dead ends or uh, U-turns. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And, and as uh, I had said earlier in the episode, the, the fact that this show, not just this episode, but the show in general really resonated with both Brett and myself because we very much were Doug. The relationship that Doug had with Patty was very much the relationship that I had at the time with my now wife. So I mean, oh. we grew up as friends, and we were that relationship. And and again, watching it now as an adult, I'm like, oh man, this really, this yeah, this, it hits this, home. This, this hits different as an adult. Wow, knowing this, yeah, so you, oh. you you really struck a chord on, on wow. that relationship. That's you should also, great. you should also know. Uh, Jim, that I'm uh, left-handed and I draw too. Like you can't, you can't really see it. Yes. But um, behind my boom mic, there's a 30th anniversary poster of Doug that I did in your style to celebrate the. Oh my goodness! So wow. I have to, I have to show you that in some of my other yeah, Doug inspired work. Take a picture of it and send it to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll send you all of that because I, okay. I wanted to blow your mind with how spot on it is. Yeah, please. Please <laughs> it's, do. it's. It's all in honor of you and your legacy. Like we're truly thankful for the work that you've done on Doug and what you've done to help nurture us as, you know, people of high moral character and creativity. Thank you. Yeah, of course. 
my pleasure. And uh, of course, it changed me too, you know, so it was great. All right, back to the episode. With all these favorable events happening to Doug, he's convinced he can't go anywhere without the lucky hat. He showers with it on, he sleeps with it on, and as a result, he continues to rake in the good fortune. That is, until one day at the Honker Burger, when Patty approaches him, wondering why Doug is wearing the hat all the time. Doug hesitates to tell her, thinking she'd never understand the mysteries of the hat, but Skeeter spills the beans. Doug denies this claim out of embarrassment, and then Roger swoops in to snatch the hat in a game of keep away. <laughs> Feeling embarrassed and annoyed, Doug surrenders the lucky hat to Roger to use for a while. Uh, without the lucky hat in his possession, Doug feels naked and deflated. Doug then imagines a depressing scenario where Roger succeeds wildly while he and Porkchop struggle in life due to the transfer of luck between hat hosts. And I do want to mention before I, I let you guys speak about this moment that it really struck me as like a Back to the Future 2 moment where Roger was pulling up in the limo and he, he's like shoving his success in Doug's face very much like Biff did when he like got all the money yeah. from cheating on the racehorse yes. kind of thing that goes on there. So I'm not sure if that was intentional or coincidental, but I, I appreciated that like depth of meaning that I got from the imaginary sequence. That's and, cool. I hadn't thought about the connection to Back to the Future. Uh, it just seemed like something Roger would, Doug would think about. Maybe maybe yeah. Biff and Roger are cut from the same cloth. They're just they in different are, worlds. I think there's some, uh, very similar cloth going on, yes. Yeah. And, and I think this scene is uh, the explanation as to how Roger got uh, a lot of money in the Disney version. Uh, he got the lucky hat and he kept it. And that's how he, his family just all of, a sudden, all of a sudden became stinking rich by uh, the Disney version. Yep. That's funny. <laughs> I mean, they, they also explain how um, uh, I think the new school that replaced the Bluffington school was built on the trailer park and through some technicalities, uh, BB Bluff's dad had to buy it from them. So yes. somehow he got rich. That's, that's the story, right? Yeah, there. had the mansion next to it, but I kind of like Alex's version. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like the continuity, the dark side of the lucky We're, hat. <laughs> you know, stop the presses. We're going to do a rewrite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a couple of thoughts I have um, that, that I'll put in here. And it, again, it, this is this story is picking up momentum now. Mm -hmm. And it really in a way, I'm going to get metaphysical with you for a second, but we could talk a long, long time uh, about um, luck. Mm -hmm. And is it real? Is it not real? What? Why is it that sometimes just things just go your way and then and, and sometimes it's the exact opposite? What is that? And um, is it is it purposeful? Is it... Uh, is there some, again, metaphysical, some kind of bigger reason why that's the way it works or, or, or does it? It just depends. And you, you've got all the different points of view kind of playing out in the different characters. And Doug goes through the arc, you know, like that's what we do with Doug. But he goes from being a super doubter to going, huh, maybe, to a total believer and it, it, it's at the end, you know, we'll see what happens in the third act with Patty. But um, that that's a that's a very different episode from Doug talking about getting a haircut or his first zip. Or, <laughs> the talking <you> zip. Know, <laughs> raising money, you know, by mowing yards. I don't know, the stuff that is really 
the daily life of a kid that we right. dealt with and found jeopardy in that. This is vastly bigger, and really, quite frankly, it's a, it's bigger than the emotional scope of a kid. It, it requires some years to begin to look at the patterns of life and to begin to ask these questions. And I tried really hard to make sure that we didn't say, here's how it works. This is it. And it's not that. It's, it's left very ethereal and something to think about. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really happy that it, it went like that. And um, Alvin, uh, Alan Silverberg is the uh, writer of record. By the way, I knew Alan <laughs> when he was an intern. So this is 10 years earlier, at least, maybe 12, mm -hmm. on a show called Pinwheel. Mm, Pinwheel, really? as you may know, is the first... Yep first uh Nickelode it wasn't even called Nickelodeon when we made it it was in Columbus yep. Ohio and it was for uh, Warner Cube and then it moved and then they decided to have a, a children's network and the, and Penwheel was the first original preschool show for them but Alan worked with back in Ohio uh, as an intern so I knew him from a long time earlier of course by this time he had become a writer and was yeah. awesome incredible That's so cool yeah the, the way you connect oh, wow. with people and then meet yep. up with them again it, yep. it just feels like some sort of divine roadmap or something yep. i don't know how else to explain it thank you alan silverberg because you wrote killer tofu oh yes he thought of thank it you very much <laughs> it was handed over to uh kenny scarborough the writer and he turned it into you know he and and uh dan and fred made it into what it is but it began with alan so He's a, he's a great. Yeah. yeah. Alan, if you're uh, watching or listening to this, thank you very much. <laughs> Feel free to come on our show if you'd like. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I guess we kind of talked around it, but I, I do have a question for you both. Have there been any memorable, lucky or unlucky moments in your lives? This is a perfect question for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because the answer is yes. But one of the best ones in my life, if you were to ask me from another direction, you go, what's the best, you know, miracle that's happened to you or whatever you want to call it. And it would be the same story. And it would be, uh, there's actually two of them. I'm not going to drag you through both because you don't <laughs> feel like ordering a pizza. And, you know. <laughs> oh, we got time. We're, we're going to burn oh, the midnight oil. Shut <laughs> up. But, um, just kidding. <laughs> Let's just, let's do this, the one that'll hook up the most directly. And that is if you, if you in the um, mid eighties, late eighties, whatever, you know, I'm a working guy in New York city and it's when cable took off, you know, mm. and, and New York city was the epicenter of that. And so you, you're, you're just jumping around doing, you know, working here and there on all kinds of pilots and shows my, I wanted to, uh, my ultimate dream in life is to be on Sesame Street. I just, Aww. Bert and Ernie, oh my gosh, you know. So uh, I wanted to get into that, but I'm working on all kinds of different things. And um, on the side at night, I was doodling. I didn't keep a journal, but I doodled at night. Um, and I'd go up at home and to my, my bed loft was over my little drawing table. So you go up the ladder and I'd be up there and that's where the paper and pencils were. And I, <laughs> every night would draw 
a cartoon. And I began to spot a pattern that the, the, this, this character, Doug, kept showing up. Mm. And it really, of course, is my alter ego. But it's me, the adult in New York City. So it seems pretty dark, pretty vulgar, pretty, some of it's <laughs> hilarious, some of it I don't think anybody should see, you know. But uh, <laughs> if, you, if you knew me back then, you knew of Doug. And you knew that I was yeah. working with this other guy, Joe Aaron, and we were working on a, a book idea called Doug Got a New Pair of Shoes. And I'm showing it to anybody that'll listen and all of that. And I uh, got a phone call out of the blue, kind of like a lucky hat blowing in, <laughs> saying that uh, Nickelodeon has just started a new division called Nicktoons, and they're looking for original ideas. Get over there. And I'm like, okay. And so <laughs> I did. <laughs> and I went there with my little Doug, you know, got a new pair of shoes book, and I'm all ready to talk about it. And I met Vanessa Coffey. She was the executive in charge. It was her brainchild. Um, and I started talking about it. And I, and I held up the cover of the book, which is Doug, you know, holding his two shoes, you know. And she, I wasn't finished pitching yet. And she's looking at me and she's looking at the book and she ran out of the room, which is disturbing. It's never happened before <laughs> since. So you're just like, okay. And she <laughs> comes back in and later I, she told me what she had done is run down the hall to her boss. And she was like, this guy's a real deal. I need your green light. I got it, good. And came back into the room, here it comes. And she goes, Jim, Congratulations, you're going to pilot. Now, just let that in. <laughs> I'd be over the moon if that happened to me. <laughs> I don't know how I, you know, didn't die, but it just, that's, that's I just told you something that's impossible. Yeah. It happened. And, um, and we, and, you know, we, we made that in New York City with all the New York artists and whatever. So it's this little, it's this little short film is what it is. Uh, called Doug Can't Dance was the name of the pilot. Mm -hmm. And it tested higher than any other pilots. And they picked us up for the episode and off to the races. That is my lucky hat story. I mean, just beautiful. Uh, it, it, it changed everything, of course, for me, but for a lot of other people. And um, it happened with that little drawing and somebody who had a great gut feeling about what we could do. And so I appreciate that story. Wow. That, story. Thank you for sharing, Jim. I've, I don't know why, I just feel really connected to it. Like somehow it's like something that I aspire to, but we're like a generation apart. Yeah. So it's, it's really cool to hear, especially with what I'm working on behind the scenes too. Yeah. Yeah, not always, in fact, not that often, but every now and again, something impossible happens. <laughs> We're thankful those moments happen in life because yes. it really reminds us of what wonderful things are out there. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Definitely. My unlucky and lucky moment tie hand in hand. And um, it's it's a bit of a, a super downer and a super pick me up all, all at once. And uh, for anybody who follows me on social media, especially on Instagram, knows that I teach children's ministry. I, I'm a very firm believer in the faith of, uh, of God. So uh, don't worry for any of you who aren't into that thing. I'm not going to get overly religious, religious on you at all. But uh, when I was a kid, which is a weird thing, I wanted to be a dad. 
I, I played house all the time and I was always the dad. I, I very much wanted to be a father when I grew up and got married and my wife and I decided that we were going to wait four years before we decided to have kids so we could build our foundation on, on our marriage. Finally, after four years, we were going to have our first child and I was very excited. And then she had a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And if you've never, for anyone who's listening, if you've never ex- experienced it, it's terrible. Uh, especially, well, it, it doesn't matter uh, if if you're the the mom or the dad. Uh, and especially for me, it was tough because I want to protect my wife and I can't. And and that was really really difficult. And I was very very angry for a very very long time. And after I I never quit believing. Uh, I still went to church and I still taught, even though I was very angry at the time. And then one day it just felt like I heard the Holy Spirit telling me, all right, that's enough. And my attitude just switched uh, at, at the top of a hat. And I went home and I told my wife, it's my, my anger is just, it's gone. And she said, that's awesome. And I said, on top of that, I feel like you're pregnant. And she said, no. And I said, I think you are. And I watched her very closely and she started showing some signs and we went to go see the doctor and they said, yeah, you're pregnant. Uh, Let's backtrack to see how far it's been. And it was the day that I told her that she's pregnant. Wow. Wow. Incredible. And that is now my oldest son, Sam, who just turned eight. Happy birthday, Sam. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So my, my unlucky and lucky moment blend into... Yes, it there. did. Very well said, Alex. I appreciate you sharing that story with us. Um, it's hard for me to think of a lot of the, any lucky, unlucky moments throughout my life because it's been nothing but a roller coaster these past uh, few years, especially. But uh, I would have to say my first go-to is when I met my girl, now girlfriend, Monica. Um, the story, the basic story of that happened is, um, you know, before this, I was the resident artist on Big Orange Couch podcast. We also do 90s Nickelodeon topics. And uh, they're helping me gain some exposure and, you know, challenging me to be a better artist, which was pretty helpful. Um, and then there's this one episode where they're going to do Wienerville. Uh, the episode is called DTV, the episode review of that. It was March 13th. So coming up around this time, it's the year anniversary of when this happened. And um, she she told me, she actually told me this earlier today uh, when we were talking, <laughs> that she's like, you know, that Brett Wilson has some pretty cool looking art. I should probably commission something from him. And, uh, you know, that that piece of art, like, started the conversation between us. And we just talked hours and hours and hours over Instagram together. And then I, my first commissioned art piece for her was actually um, of all the Nicktoons pets and Porkchop was like on the top and it says, I'm a dog, you're a dog, everybody do the dog. <laughs> so you got like Ren and Stimpy there, you got Stinky, you got Porkchop, you got Spunky, uh, Spike from Rugrats and a few others, uh, Abner from Hey Arnold. And they're all in a circle with like a beautiful amber gradient light behind them. And she was just blown away with how heartfelt it was. And from there, she commissioned me to do a couple other pieces. She bought a few other pieces of my art and we got to talking more. 
And, uh, you know, the more I did Nickelodeon stuff, the more she saw like the real me coming up because I'm very passionate about this stuff, you know, no matter what medium I, I choose to express these interests. And um, we ended up becoming official in our relationship on 7, 13, 21, which are actually three of my lucky numbers, 7, 13 and 21 this past July. And uh, we've never been happier. I mean, she's even been on our podcast for our favorite 90s romantic moments, which we mentioned Doug as one of them for uh, Doug's Fair Lady. And uh, she, she helps me balance myself out, out a lot, gets rid of a lot of the anger that I have towards like the world and the state of things now with the pandemic and all. And she just helps me realize that it's, it's okay to deal with all this stuff as long as you stay true to who you are deep down. And as a result, she's my anchor. So I'm very thankful and lucky that something that's beyond my understanding brought us together when we least expected it yeah that's a beautiful story yeah thank you it is yeah. thank you see doug's lucky hat shows up no matter where <laughs> where we are in life Hugs, <laughs> let's get in here <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh hugging jim jenkins <laughs> one of the best moments of my life right along with meeting phil moore and meeting dj McHale. <laughs> that's funny yeah but anyways, back to the back to the episode oh, yeah. before we get too derailed. I know, I know. <laughs> um, I digress. Yes. Uh, <laughs> cut. Let's cut back to Doug from his imaginary sequence, shall we? Uh, so we see Doug sitting on the front steps of Bluffington School. Uh, Patty walks out and sits down beside Doug to explain that while he may no longer be in possession of the lucky hat, he's still a winner, whether he has it or not. At this moment, Doug's confidence and self worth is regained. Moments later, Roger busts out of the double front doors, cheering that he got a D minus on his biology test. <laughs> the highest grade he's ever gotten, apparently. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Doug congratulates Roger on his mental, mean, sorry, menial accomplishment, inspiring Roger to hold onto the hat much longer than expected well, and try. A mental, it's a mental accomplishment too for Roger. <laughs> sure, <laughs> mental and menial, you know. <laughs> Choose however measurement of success you want. <laughs> push, push him out of his comfort zone. You know. From F to D minus territory. D minus. Ooh, <laughs> the point being is that because he's had a taste of Doug's lucky hat, good fortune, he decides to hold on to it a little bit longer to see where he can take it. But even though that he changes his mind on that and doesn't give it back to Doug, the, the magical breeze that, that whistles beautiful Celtic music has other plans and whisks it away from his head as he goes down the street to chase it, uh, clamoring for Doug to help him catch it. But before we see Doug get up and run after Roger to get regain the lucky hat, he hesitates and Patty's looking at him on the stoop of Bluffington High School. Uh, he's like, no, I'm going to let it go. It's, time, it's some other kid's time to experience the luck of the lucky hat. And, uh, you know, he just has that realization that he had his time with it and it's time to move on and let it see where it wants to go next because the hat found him. He didn't find the hat. And as such, that's like a way of respecting the hat and the powers that it has. Um, Roger continues to pursue it down the street while Doug narrates over um, a camera pan out from the Bluffington High School scene. Come on, honey. Yeah, pretty much where he says, I may never know if that hat was lucky or not, but I'll always remember how it made me feel. And I'll be ready if it ever comes back. You never know when there'll be another windy day. End episode. So Jim, I got another question for you. Uh, what made you decide to make this the final episode of season two? Is there any significance to the inspiration? Well, 
I mean, I already said we already answered this earlier, so you can ignore that part. But um, was there a significance to leaving it to the end of season two, or are you just like, oh, you know, this story can go here? <laughs> yes, you're right. We've we've talked about some of the 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 idea the hat story. for that vacation. Yeah. So the timing of when did I come up with the idea for writing a thing about Lucky Hat is just the the uh, the the schedule of being able to go on a vacation. Putting it as the last show, especially hooking it up to Lost Weekend, which is mm. wow, you know that's just quite a combination. Rocks, yes, that's that pair. Wow, um, but I think the fact that it is this much bigger, soulful, uh, expansive story is the perfect way to send us out uh, in this season. So it definitely lined up the way a last episode of a season should do. So uh, beyond that, I don't, I don't know. It might have just, you know, we're, we were so up against the wall to make deadlines all mm. along the way, but that's how I remember it. Yeah, it seems like it lined up very well for the circumstances because it does have that like peaceful closing and it has like a transitionary effect, kind of like how seasons change. Yeah. Um, so it, it's fitting. Well, you know, get back to Lost Weekend, just bam, you know, it's yeah. big and noisy and all that. And this one's this. It's a breath of fresh air. <laughs> What'd you say? It's a breath of fresh air since we're talking about breezes and wind. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're in the third act now. We're bringing, and now it's time to bring it home. And I ask, I'm asking myself, but I'll ask everyone, are you, why does Patty have this wisdom? How did she walk out of that door, seeing Doug sitting on the, the steps and sit there and have that conversation? And it's, it's a conversation. She's listening to Doug um, and reacting to him and saying, when she gets to, you're a winner with or without the hat, uh, you know, that's just a powerful moment. So but back to the question, why does she have this? Why does she have this wisdom? And here's what some, it's, it, it wasn't kept a super secret, but we did not talk about it much in the TV series. I think it's alluded to once by Skeeter in an episode, maybe. Hmm. And it showed up in one of the Doug books with a little more detail. But um, Patty, to give her gravitas, there's something about her in her life that's made her think of things deeper. That is sadly, tragically, because of a car accident that um, happened to the family. And uh, it sadly ended her mom's life. And mm. uh, so she does not have a mom, if you think about mm -hmm. it. You know. And the dad's in a wheelchair. Yeah. Um, I had the pleasure of being the voice of that dad. Um, oh, wow. I thought, wait a minute, I'm that, I'm the age, I could have Patty as my daughter, you know, so I got to be uh, the, the dad, and, uh, but he's in a wheelchair, she doesn't have a mom, and she has this enormously deep way of looking at the world, for other reasons, I think, as well, but I think that one really got it down in there, um, if you, if you uh, ever follow the uh, Harry Potter series, um, Luna Lovegood mm -hmm. is like that, that her mom had a tragic accident mm. and it 
open the door to all kinds of in, like this. Now that that all happened many years later. I'm just saying right. that's those characters. That's that I needed something like that that we would know. You know, the writers mm -hmm. would know whether we ever talked about it or not, um, since it's so sad. But um, that's that's a piece of a backstory. Well, thank that's you for a, sharing for that. That's a that's a really great uh, piece of insight because yes kids in general are just oblivious it's this is my world and this is where it, the world revolves around me until you've experienced a massive loss and then their eyes are open to a much deeper and more meaningful mm -hmm. and profound way and yeah that that totally tracks that's a that's a great that's a great piece of trivia yeah, there's a quote that I remember hearing growing up um, that says, death changes nothing, but also death changes everything. And that actually reminds me of this particular episode of House that I used to watch when I binged the show late 2000s, early 2010s, uh, where there's a doctor in it, uh, an oncology named Wilson, surprise, who had a very kind heart like me. And he finally, after having lots of struggle, you know, he, he met the woman of his dreams through that show. And in a tragic uh, either bus or subway accident, she passed away. And the episode is called Wilson's Heart. And it really made you think of like how losing someone you care about, no matter what their relationship to you does to you, like, yes, it hurts, but it also builds you up in ways you would not experience had you have never had the loss in the first place. And I just hearing Patty's backstory, but that really makes me appreciate her that much more because she does have that wisdom that she gains through the loss and know that, you know, things are going to be okay. Maybe Doug doesn't have his hat anymore. You know, maybe it's not as serious as losing a family member or a friend, but it's still, it, it's, it's not like it changes you forever. You're still who you are because you believe who you are and you'll, you'll still get the support you need from people you need, however that may be. Um, so I agree with you, Jim, that's a very poignant moment. And uh, it's, it's wonderful to hear more about how Patty's character is shaped in that way that hasn't really been revealed in the 90s Nickelodeon circle before. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other sort of thing that, again, we've been having this conversation through the episode about luck. And um, to get to the end and not, the message is not go after luck count on luck uh these are the pe people in las vegas that lose everything you know come on yeah, Vegas, the, go the come slot around. jackies yeah with the cup of quarters <clears throat> it doesn't work like that you know and I, th I think that's what we were trying to get at is doug he takes that step and pulls back he wants it to go to the next person and then that thing you just did that i always tear up every time yeah, i love it about you never know when there's going to be a windy day that is so hopeful and mm -hmm. um another movie uh, since y'all appreciate movies castaway came out years later mm -hmm. but that whole thing of you never know what the title bring in oh mm -hmm. <laughs> it goes right along with that one <laughs> yeah. yeah and that's really the message that we should appreciate and recognize good things or lucky things or uh, miracles whatever you want to call them but not to hold on tightly that they come and they go. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so anyway, it's it's it. When we talk about it the way we're talking about it, you yeah. it runs 
really deep. And back Try not to, to cry right now. <laughs> and, uh, back to less pages to get there so that that music can be the storyteller and make mm. you feel the stuff we've been talking about uh, musically. And um, I just, I'm, I'm really, of course I watched it again knowing we were going to talk. You know? <laughs> it helps oh, to have just, that, that melody refreshing to your oh brain. Oh my gosh, you know. <laughs> It's, there's it's some funny. episodes i wanted like okay here are my notes you know and, and turn. right 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 but uh this one's pretty pretty wonderful and i'm very happy about how it turned out definitely well we can um jump right into our ratings then uh because i think you know like all episode reviews that we do it's worth grading like how quality they are in, in the 90s nick universe um so i'm just going to start i give this a splat exceptional which is a triple s that's the highest grade that we have on our show ranging from you know, F to triple S because it's Devil May Cry rating tier for those who know the video game. Um, <laughs> basically, when I think of Doug, uh, this is one of the very few episodes among the lot of the 104 11 minute Nickelodeon half stories that come to mind immediately. Uh, from the get go, the whimsical Celtic melody lures you into the story with the imagery of the lucky hat sailing through the breeze. Uh, the episode also does a great job of setting up Doug for success and then dashes his hopes once he takes the hat for granted when the hat lands on Roger's head. And then once Doug reaches rock bottom, feeling very vulnerable, very feeling very naked, imagining the worst possible case scenario happen, you know, you really feel for him. And then you take that emotional journey with him as he gets, you know, kind of self-validated and redeemed through, through Patty's wisdom on the stoops of uh, the school. Uh, the clincher for me, obviously, as we mentioned, is is the ending. Anybody obsessed with luck and success would obviously chase after the hat endlessly. But Doug knew when to let it go and for someone else to reap the benefits of the lucky hat because it comes and goes with the wind, changing of the winds. Uh, it was a bold moment for him. It built character as a result. And it may be one of the strongest lessons any Doug episode has ever shared with its viewers. Uh, sometimes it's best not to chase things in life and just let it come to you, much like how Doug's lucky hat came to him when he needed it. Uh, I just found it to be a truly transcendent episode beyond anything I've ever seen in children's television. And maybe that's why it it sneaked its way into our podcast from the get-go when we did episode one. It's just magical in every sense of the word. Uh, plus, I love how how like that melody also reminds me a lot of uh, either the main theme or just the general soundtrack of the PlayStation one video game, Spyro the Dragon, which was uh, composed by Stuart Copeland of the band police. I, I really don't have a whole lot to add that Brett didn't already say exceptionally, but for me very much, I hadn't seen Doug in years. Uh, I saw it as a kid and I watched it over and over and over. And then whenever uh, I got out of kids programming and when it transitioned over to Disney, uh, shortly after I just stopped watching kids shows. And then I became a father and got back into Nickelodeon, uh, old school Nickelodeon. And I got the DVD and I didn't even have to recall any of this episode. It, it was all there. Uh, this was one that stuck with me throughout my entire livelihood uh, a big part of it because it resonated so well with me as a kid and then it stuck with me as I grew old grew older like I had mentioned earlier with my relationship with my wife and it's it's a fantastic episode and I kept pulling pop culture references 
I kept pulling Doug into the different pop culture, which I thought was really fun to do. But it's definitely a triple S for me uh, on top of everything that Brett had said. Wow. And if you could rate your own episode. Yes. What would you rate your episode? <laughs> it could be an F. <laughs> a a, a D minus. I got a D minus. <laughs> D minus because of Roger's biology test. <laughs> that would be uh what splatful? <laughs> Did you hear it, Roger? At the end, he's running off, you know, away yes. from us, you know, and he goes, "My grades." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Roger. Maybe you should study instead. <laughs> you think? Yeah. Um, it, we've already said over and over. Uh, it was um, what you both have said about it in this wrap up is is beautiful. Um, it it is my favorite show, and so it, of course it's going to be my personal triple s as well. <laughs> and uh, our okay. first perfect episode on Splat Attack. Yes. Imagine that. We should have some special fanfare music for it. <laughs> As it raises, raises into Mount Olympus <laughs> in the pantheon of 90s Nickelodeon shows that deserve the perfect rating. <laughs> That's great. Well, you've earned it, Jim. I mean, Doug is an amazing series that still resonates with people even to this day, three decades later. And somehow I keep hearing this over and over again during like all the pandemic wildness is that it's very calming and soothing for people to tune into. Like some people would dismiss it as like, oh, Doug's such a nice guy. He's a goody goody. Oh, he's kind of boring. And I guess I can see their perspective, but this is what people act like in the 90s. It was very down yeah. to earth. Doug is an honest, virtuous, down to earth kid. And you can't not love him because he grows as a character in every episode, every adventure he goes on with his friends there. It's like, a slice of life that you wish you were a part of. And we can't deny that because of how, how positively it just affected everyone with the ripples that it sent out into the universe all, all this time since then. I would add, I mean, I've heard people say what this thing of Doug's a goody two-shoe or all that stuff. I'm like, no, 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 stop. Here, here's the structure. Remember I talked about the, the sort of yeah. the formulaic structure. We get something going on in the first act. But when you get to the end of the first act, Doug screws up. Mm. Every show, he messes up. Because that, to me, is my memory of, of, well, it's not even just a memory. It's just my life, you know. I learn things the hard way. Mm, and so you too. mess up. And you have maybe mentors, or maybe you have like a cute girl, <laughs> or, maybe, <laughs> um, or somehow or another, you kind of bounce along. And by the, the end of the third act, you have landed well and, and move on only to do the next story where you're going to mess up and it's going to be that cycle that, you know, Doug is not pious or uh, come unto me, children. You know, it's not that's if that's how it feels to someone, they aren't watching it very carefully because yeah. it's it's complicated and uh, full of all kinds of jeopardy and um, angst. Yeah, 
not to mention anxiety. I mean, Doug is always imagining the worst case scenario in his oh, imagination. Yeah. And I can relate that too sometimes, even when just trying to complete simple tasks. So, uh, you know, he's not perfect by any means. He's just a boy trying to navigate the, the highs and lows of life like anyone else. It's just from his little rural perspective from 21 Jumbo Street. Yeah. My um, business partner and dear friend, David Campbell, used to and talk about me he he'd say you're like doug here's the problem and you just walk around it, and around <laughs> it, and around it. it's like the opposite of beating around the bush it's walking around the bush yes. <laughs> and so i'm i'm more that kind of guy that you know is sort of the worrier you know and all that and david was more the skeeter like cool man you know just you know, <laughs> yeah easy breezy guy so yeah. it was a good combo for us to, to work together. Yeah, they balance each other out pretty well, just like Alex and I balance each other out as co-hosts. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Cool. Well, with that being said, we're that does it for our episode review, or at least that part of the episode. And we're going to move on to a trivia section that people know very well, Slimesters and Gakoids, as Think Fast to Make the Grade. Roll the jingle. <laughs> Time to think fast to make the grade. Think fast to make the grade. So here's how this works. We're going to have seven questions, each with uh, different point values that progressively get more and more in value because of the difficulty that ramps up. Um, person who has the most points at the end wins. We're just playing for fun. But obviously, since, it's, since you're our guest, Jim, and I'd love to show you my Doug art, if you like any prints on the house of my Doug work, I'd be more than happy to send them to you. Okay. I, mean, I mean that sincerely. I offer wow. to every one of our guests. Bonus. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. This is for one point, question one. Uh, I guess you can either raise your hand or go something like that to show that you got in first. There you go. Do the Skeeter honk <laughs> if you got in first. How appropriate. <laughs> so, so question one, uh, what three colors were the gumballs that poured out of the gumball machine when Doug walked by it? Go ahead, Jim. The only reason I know this is like I told you, because remember, these were made 30 years ago. I did watch it to get ready for the show. Mm -hmm. But I'm from my, at least in my take on it, it was white, green, and red. Actually, that's incorrect. I, I saw white, green, and orange because it reminded me of Irish colors or Nickelodeon colors, depending oh, on if you think yeah. about it. The, the, the red, yes, it, it, you're right. It's, a, it's an orangey red, you're right. I stand correct. Two thirds points. <laughs> oh, that's gonna get messy. No, give it to him. It's we'll, we'll give it to We'll give it to him. Orange red is red red, uh, orange enough. <laughs> one point, Jim. Okay, question two for one point. Name all the characters in the episode who wear the lucky hat. <laughs> Alex. Uh, Doug and Roger. That is correct. And they're the only two people who wear it. Score is one to one. Question three for two points. Name the four things that Doug sees in his closet mirror when admiring his lucky hats. I'll make a run at that. I mean, okay. the, um, <laughs> the things in the mirror, um, the Sky Davis basketball card, the Smash Adams uh, x-ray glasses. Mm -hmm. Oh, the Beats CD. Mm -hmm. Is it Burping Hamlet? Is yes. Yes, and you did burp. There you go. Point for two points. For I you. get extra credit <laughs> for the burping. Yes. <laughs> um, so that is, let's see. 
That is three, three points, Jim. Alex won. Question four. Two points. How much does Roger buy Doug's lucky socks for him in Doug's fantasy of Roger wearing his lucky hat? And what is written on Roger's red stretch limo in his fantasy when he buys the socks? I know that was written terribly, but you get the idea. How much does, like, just tell me the dollar amount that Roger gives (laughs) to him. Yeah. Uh, They were a dollar. And on the limo was the Raj. Correct, which I thought was an interesting uh, nickname for him. <laughs> Definitely sounds like a Biff type nickname. Yes, it does. <laughs> I will add the storyboard artist was Tony Eastman, a brilliant director, and actually directed the uh, pilot. That I, oh, that interesting. But he's the one that came into my office and went when Roger the Raj buys the thing for the dollar, he just goes, Whoop, you know, he doesn't even keep them. And just you got to do that, you know. It's it just shows you just how uh, how rich he is, uncaring he is, and how rich he is. So that's a, a little trivia thing that happened in my office. I, I love that tidbit. It, it really adds to the moment, <laughs> and then spurting the mud on him afterwards too. Yes. While he's just still yes. there. I oh, I feel so bad for him. It's rough. Yeah. Yeah. Question five for three points. What words were the similarly looking lunch ladies constantly droning on while Doug was looking for Hamlet in the school cafeteria? There's three of them. So one point for each correct one. Okay. I think I can do this. All right. Uh, Salisbury steak. Yeah. Um, taters, green salad. Close bean salad. Oh, bean salad. Oh, that's a, that's my hearing. Going thing. It's okay. I'll give it to you. Green salad. Okay. Jim is at six. Alex is at three. Yeah, I, I thought it interesting in that particular moment too when I when I caught on to that while Doug was searching is that all the lunch lady, ladies have the same design but different color palette. <laughs> but it's like they're um, uh, Scorpion and uh, Reptile and Sub-Zero from Mortal Kombat. You know, literally the same ninja outfit, different color. Yep. Yes. Yep. Thinking no one would notice. <laughs> but I noticed. <laughs> uh, question six for three points. What was the name of the song Doug, Skeeter, and Porkchop were listening to on the radio just before Doug won the radio calling contest? The reason why I made this a question because of how ridiculous it sounds. <laughs> yes. Alex. This, this, this reminds me of the, um, the Nick, Nick Fest, the Thanksgiving Fest, because yep. of that uh, calling somebody the uh, Dingleberry. So, yes. Yeah, it, it, it stuck out with me, but it was, uh, hey, Fatso, get off my foot by Larry and the Lard Butts. That is correct. <laughs> and if they ever actually release an EP, I will buy it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's pretty catchy. <laughs> Take that, Beats. <laughs> oh, boy. It's like the one hit wonder in Doug's world. Yes, uh, that's it. One hit. So that was uh, three points for Alex. So we're neck and neck. Uh, Jim has six. Alex has six. So th- this might be the tiebreaker. We'll see. Uh, for not a whopping nine points. Uh, question seven, the final question. Name all the lucky things that happened to Doug in the episode and also name all the lucky things that happened to Roger in the episode, excluding the imagination sequences. You get one point for every correct answer. Wow. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll try for it. <clears throat> and uh, Alex, you can uh, set me straight. Um, so <laughs> that. With Doug, uh, it's going to be the, the basketball card, mm-hmm. the um, Beats CD, mm-hmm. 
uh, found Hamlet, um, the um, Smash Adams mm-hmm. uh, X-ray glasses. Your four for four. Are there good things that happened to Doug? Uh, Alex, help me out. Uh, well, the the other one was the gumballs. All the all the gumballs came out of the machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one was that he caught a, a fly ball. Yep. And uh, the other one was he won a giant stuffed animal. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because it, cause it was it was the wheel it was that turning yep. thing. Yeah. Yep. And then it spun backward, just just uh, a hair. Um, I don't know what the other one would be. I mean, it's kind of tricky. It's technically when the hat found Doug. Okay. The very first moment. So. I guess that's that is good. yes, that was that's tricky. Yeah, and then the Roger one. <laughs> Go ahead, Jim. Oh well, he he Roger. got a D minus. Yeah, that's it, right? Yep, that's it. Roger got the short end of the stick with this episode. Yeah, really Doug didn't milk it, you know. <laughs> Doug had eight wonderful things happen to him, and then Roger's got a D minus. <laughs> uh, it's okay. You can put it on his fridge. His mom will appreciate it. <laughs> the thing I was going to, this is where people be like, oh, shut up, is really what Doug, the thing he got with the hat was this great relationship with Patty going even deeper there's this there's this whole thing that was bigger than those the things that you said are things we illustrated but the real meaningful stuff is what he got out of it you know and to send it on at the end all that was uh that's the gift really yeah that's the secret bonus answer so you win jim (laughs) (laughs) oh no (laughs) i I mean i based on your answers i I divvied up points to each of you based on what you said so alex got three from that one and jim got five so that would be a grand total of jim getting 11 and alex getting nine so it's very very close and very respectable scores given how hard some of these questions were they were very hard Yes. Ollie's up for the next episode for uh, our guest then. <laughs> uh, but thank you very much for playing Think Fast to Make the Grade. And uh, Slimesters and Gatgoids, if you played along at home, let us know how you did with the scores or just want to suggest any new segments you want to hear on our podcast. Uh, yeah. Moving right along, we actually have a Mona's Mailbag segment because we got not one, but two letters to read. So our first letter, this this one we actually got a while back, is uh, titled Favorite 90s Nick Jr. Shows, and it's from Seth Robertson, who wrote to us. Uh, he says, what's up, fellas? My name is Seth, and I just found out about your podcast thanks to BOC, Big Orange Couch. I love this episode, and all the memories that was unlocked uh, made, me, made me put together a list of my own. Uh, so here's... Here's Seth's top five that he mentions. There's Gullah Gullah Island, and he says there's just something so charming about Ron and Natalie. I agree. And Binya Binya, too. I can't do the voice. Binya Binya. There you go. I did it this time. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. Number four, Blue's Clues. I was born in 1990, so I feel like this show came out at just the right time for me, and I love being involved in finding out what Blue wanted to do for the day. I still sing, here's the mail, every trip to the mailbox. Number three, this one's up your alley, Jim. He says, Allegra's Window. I always remember the songs and the little green baby, LOL. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 
I haven't heard Allegra's window brought up in a very long time. <laughs> it's it's got a very catchy theme song, and I, it's yeah. it's funny. I've talked about this before with my girlfriend, maybe on the podcast too. But um, my sister actually bought the stuffed like plush toy of Allegra, and I'd always used to like take the doll away for her and pretend I was eating her hair like they were Cheetos because of the way they were curled. <laughs> <laughs> So she's like, get back my Allegra. No, I'm, I'm busy oh, eating. Here. <laughs> funny. Yeah. So if you ever want to come back for Allegra's window retrospective, we'd love to have you, Jim, because I know you wow. had some involvement with that show. Man. Yeah. Is that even, has that aired since? I mean, is anybody? It, it's pretty underground. It's, it's relatively yeah, hard to find. Right. Yeah. yeah. I have been trying to get a hold of uh, Cheryl Blaylock for a while too. And I've got nowhere with that, but I'd, I'd love to have her be on the podcast as well yeah anyone to talk about their their fond memories of being on the show is great especially since it's a it's a show that involves puppetry and we haven't really delved into that too much mm-hmm. yeah uh, moving on with uh, Seth's list though we have uh, number two little bear I enjoyed the fact that little bear would go on so many adventures and so many of his good friends it holds a special place to me as a new father I call my son little bear that's very sweet especially since um Little Bear was my number one pick for that list. And it was a very popular pick among all the people who uh, who sent in their their responses for that episode. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a crowd pleaser. Definitely. And of course, number one for Seth is Franklin the Turtle or just Franklin. Uh, he says, I always enjoyed the books and the TV show. A couple of my favorite episodes are Franklin Spring First and Franklin the Weather Turtle. And yes, I do remember Franklin because they had the theme song. It's like, hey, it's Franklin coming over your house. And uh, it was like, it's like this upright turtle that walks around. He's got a red baseball cap and he's very friendly, like little bear with a little bit of Doug in him too, I guess. And uh, he just does good things for all of his forest animal friends and they all go to school together. So uh, it's a cool show. I'm glad he mentioned it. Uh, I'm definitely enjoying the bike podcast i really appreciate the time y'all take to make these episodes if you ever need a guest count me in seth thank you very much for that letter seth we appreciate it that was uh quite a quite a good 90s nick list uh for nick jr shows and we Uh, have had a ton of people i know i've had a lot of people who uh, i'd love to be on your podcast yeah i've got that too (laughs) we'd love to have you it's trying to find a place to get you into the schedule yeah I yeah we we we're not going to forget you guys yeah listeners who don't realize we 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 plan our episodes like years in advance we already have like nine seasons <laughs> on a spreadsheet so we we're like we really we're, do we're, we're trying to figure out who to put in for guests some of them celebrities some of them like friends and family some of them fans of shows so we're trying to make it as like diverse and balanced as possible so uh we're not we're not ignoring you slimesters and gatcoys believe us we're just trying to find a place where it seems appropriate to uh, add you in so uh, keep listening and thank you all for the wonderful letters. Uh, but before we finish Mona's mailbag question, I have another letter that was sent to me via Instagram from my friend, Jason Tower. I should mention that this is regarding the, Sarjo, the Sardo's Magic Mansion retrospective that just came out in season two. Uh, he says, hey, I just wanted to let you know how amazing the Sardo's Magic Mansion episode was. Man, just incredible. I'm so glad you're still creating content related to 90s Nick. It's rare to find someone who cares about something anything as much as you and Alex do. And I feel fortunate that the effort and the attention to detail you guys have put forth is in the direction of something I love as well. Please keep going. You're on a first name basis with a lot of our personal heroes that we watched growing up. How cool is that? 
Much love, Jason. That was very beautiful, Jason. We appreciate that. <clears throat> Just like with Jim. Yes. We are very <laughs> thankful to have you here, Jim, too, as well. <laughs> A lot of fun. Closing question. Thank you all, Slimesters and Gatcoids, for tuning in to this episode of Doug's Lucky Hat. We are thrilled to have you here along with our special guest, Jim Jenkins, co-creator, uh, no, creator of Doug. Um, our closing question is, do you have any fun or interesting hat stories to share? You know, we're talking about lucky hats here. Maybe you got one of yours at home that you'd like to email us at uh, splatattack2021 at gmail.com. If you do, we'll definitely share it in a future Mona's Mailbag segment. I know for me as a kid, just to keep this short, I did actually have a hat growing up that was special to me. It was uh, a Boston Red Sox hat and I wore it all the time because my grandmother got it from the lost and found at uh, Lyman Hall High School in the town where she lived in. And I wore it because it was like a navy blue with like a, a red letter B on it. And I thought, you know, growing up that stood for, you know, B for Brett. So everyone would know who I was if they saw the B when I walked around with it. So that's my little hat story to share with you. Uh, so hopefully we hear some more hat stories in the future uh, when you write to us via email. Uh, all right. We've had a great time visiting Bluffington for this holiday season. Very fun meeting up with Jim and talking about Doug's lucky hat as it wafts through the breeze, uh, strolling down the street of 21 Jumbo Street. Uh, we've had a little luck on our side for now, but tune in next time as we head back to our neck of the woods and recharge the slime tank for our next episode when we talk about Double Dare's sloppiest moments. That's going to be a really fun, wild, gactastic episode full of surprises, including a triple threat of amazing guests. So be prepared to get messy as we re all reminisce of our favorite physical challenges and obstacle course set pieces. Uh, if you want to buy a shirt from us to support our show, you can head on over to our bonfire page, uh, bonfire.com slash store slash splat attack store. Uh, check out what we got. We got some fake legends teams. We got some logo merch. Anything else that you want to see there, you can you know, suggest to us as well, we'll put up. Uh, and if you want to check out some of our exclusive bonus content, like reels, behind the scenes, uh, bonus episodes, head on over to our Patreon page and become a patron today, where you're going to see really cool 90s stuff that you won't see anywhere else. And I can already guarantee you that after recording this episode, some of it will be trimmed down just for the sake of time. Oh yeah. So if you want to hear more of this interview, head over to our Patreon, because there's some pretty cool stories that Jim shared. Definitely. Definitely. All right, guys. Uh, I think it's time to head on out. Alex, will you drain the slime tank for me, please? I've got a hunch that our luck is about to change with this seven-leaf clover I just found. Aye, uh, aye, Clo Captain. I hope there's enough good fortune in that clover for all three of us. I think so. I think so. Splat you later. Reprise the theme song and roll the credits. Hard to believe, folks. It's time to say goodbye. Nighty night. Hey, check us out next time for more adventure and another great legend of the Hidden Temple. What do we do till then? Chill for a couple. We'll be back. You're on, Nick. And it was time for the superhero to move on. I declare this meeting of the Midnight Society closed. Bye-bye. Doug imagines himself as a lot of different heroes of all the different in incarnations of Doug that we've seen which one is your favorite I think the big giveaway might be my uh shirt I mean yep <laughs> <laughs> the quail man is just so this unlike the most unlikely hero I mean it just starts as a joke you know 
the powers of a quail are, don't seem to be much. But really, when you think about what does a quail do, it, it shows restraint. It, mm. it waits. It, it listens. It's just, it's just all these qualities that really are really strong. And, um, but to turn it into, um, you know, it, it blow it up as big as we did to make it like, a, you know, huge was a lot of fun. Do you sometimes feel like a lefty in a right-handed world? Do you ever want to tell a girl you like her, but lose your nerve? Do you like to daydream, doodle, eat lots of banana pudding? Are you 11 and a half? Have a dog named Porkchop? Look like this? Well, then you must be Doug. <laughs>